Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Yeah, as probably most of you, we also had to yeah, give up our weekly tabletop round due to the coronavirus pandemic. And um, yeah, we replaced it with um, playing a lot of a tabletop simulator which I can really recommend to everyone um, yeah, sitting at home in quarantine um, because it's a, it's a nice tool and there are a lot of board games available and you can stay in contact with your friends at least digitally um, yeah, and uh, meet as you usually would do. Um, and um, yeah, we played a lot of uh, Blood Rage in the last couple of weeks and um, I would like to use today's episode to reflect a little bit about what I learned from that great game as a game designer. I mentioned Blood Rage before on this podcast when I was talking about drafting games. Because at its core, Blood Rage is, um, it really is a drafting game. So, but um, to give you a little bit more detail, let me explain um, how the game actually works. Blood Rage is a game designed by Eric Lang, who is a game designer I really admire. He also designed, um, for example, the XCOM board game or the... Um, Game of Thrones board game. Blood Rage is about Vikings, it's about Ragnarok and um, yeah, the end of the world. And your goal is to, yeah, to pillage uh, different regions um, and uh, achieve the most glory on your way to die in Ragnarok. Um, the game comes with uh, nine different uh, provinces um, who are uh, then combined into three different regions. And um, these provinces are destroyed during the course of the game. Some start already um, destroyed, um, depending on the number of players in the game. And um, each age, another uh, province is destroyed to um, to Ragnarok. Um, and um, yeah, if you are um, in that with your minis in that province um, at the end of the turn at the end of the age, um, your units die to Ragnarok as well. And um, yeah, they gain some some glory for doing so because um, yeah, dying is uh, more or less uh, part of the goal in, um, in Blood Rage. Um, but you can also achieve glory um, in other ways. For example, by, um, yeah, by winning battles, uh, by pillaging um, different regions um, or by questing. Um, most of the quests have the goal to um, have the strongest um, army in one of the one of the regions at the end of an age. And while this sounds a lot like uh, an, a miniature game, an area control game, which Blood Rage actually is, um, the most interesting part and also the most important part for the game is the drafting aspect. Um, and Blood Rage comes with three decks of cards, each representing the gifts of the gods um, that you gain for um, for the different ages. The game is played in three ages, and for all of those three ages, um, there is a, there's a draft at the beginning of the round. And the cards you are drafting, they make you better in combat by giving you upgrades for your different um, units of your army. Every player starts with the same uh, miniatures available, um, 
but during the draft you can upgrade them you can upgrade your warriors you can upgrade your clan leader and you can upgrade your ship and in addition to that you can also draft upgrade cards for your clan that are more or less relevant for your entire strategy they mess with the rules of the game and give you some kind of direction and they form your strategy of the game that is one aspect of the draft you um, upgrade you want to pick upgrade cards for your um, yeah, to individualize your uh, game strategy and to um, to individualize and strengthen your armies. The second part of the draft um, is uh, that you need to pick some kind of quests, some um, hidden quests that um, will give you um, glory once you um, yeah once you achieve them at the end of an age. And as I mentioned, most of those uh, quests um, reward you if you have the strongest army in one of the provinces at the end of an age. But there are also um, quests that reward reward you for um, having the, the strongest army in Yggdrasil, which is the center of the board, which is um, yeah also um, a province, but um, it's a bit difficult, more difficult to to get there. You cannot just um, put your miniatures um, to Yggdrasil. You have to to move there from one of the other provinces. Um, and it also gives you better rewards if you pillage um, Yggdrasil instead of uh, one of the other provinces. And since the game is also about um, dying in a glorious battle, um, there's also a quest that rewards you if you have at least four um, units in Valhalla. That means they died during battle um, before the Ragnarok first phase starts, so before um, a new um, province is destroyed. So you need really need to... Um, Go into battles, try to pillage, uh, and um, yeah, or keep other players from pillaging um, those provinces to 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 get your um, units to to die in those battles to gain um, the reward from this quest. And the third card type that is um, available during the draft is um, are the combat modifier cards. So combat is pretty simple in Blood Rage. Um, each um, miniature type um, has a certain amount of strength and um, if you fight about um, or fight about a pillaging uh, one of the provinces you compare the strength of the different armies in that province and um, since this would be too deterministic um, each player then has to um, simultaneously pick a card from from their hand and reveal them at the same time and those cards are the combat modifier cards. They typically um, give you some kind of um, plus strength bonus, and um, oftentimes have a, an additional an additional effect that is uh, resolved before the um, strength values are compared. And that is pretty much Blood Rage in a nutshell. You draft cards that are either. Um, uh, upgrades to your uh, to your units that are combat modifiers or quests. Um, then you play um, in turn order um, some action one action per player per round, and um, yeah, then you deploy your um, your units to the to the battlefield. Try to invade those different um, provinces. Try to pillage them to um, to increase um, your clan stats of which you have three. You have uh, Rage, you have Axes, and you have Helms. Um, the Rage is um, the number of action points that you have available um, for your actions during your turns. The um, 
axes are the amount of victory points you receive when you win a battle. And the helmets are the number of units that you are allowed to deploy to, um, to the battlefield. Before I go into the topics about what I've learned from Blood Rage as a game designer, I wanted um, to mention that I had really great games in Blood Rage. Um, most of them actually were really great, but I also had some really frustrating games. And from a game design point of view, this is actually a good thing because it allowed me to analyze both of the aspects of the ratio. Um, I mean, um, I was able to think about um, the aspects of the game design that I really liked, that I enjoyed as a player and try to analyze what of the mechanics were actually responsible for that. And on the other side, I was also able to think about the aspects of the game that... Um, yeah, more or less led to frustration on my side. And um, yeah, I also wanted to um, analyze what kind of mechanics were responsible for that feeling. So without further ado, um, let's dive right into the yeah, interesting design choices that I found in Blood Rage. The first interesting design choice is um, one that I already mentioned in the previous podcast, but I thought it would make sense to mention it again um, and it is um, the player um, counts specific cards during during the draft um, in blood rage some of the cards have a small number printed on them um, indicating that they are only used if at least that number of players are participating before the game starts you um, yeah you go through the each of those piles and return to the box any cards you find with a number greater than the number of players and if you set up a two-player game for example you have to remove all the cards with a three and four um, printed on them this allows you to yeah as a designer to design cards with a specific player count in mind if one of those uh, these cards would be broken in lower player count or wouldn't just work from a rules perspective, you can remove it in lower player games. And um, it also makes sure that there are no strategies in two-player games, for example, that cannot easily be countered. In Blood Rage, some strategies are very strong and you probably need more than one player um, yeah, fighting against that strategy so that it is not overpowered, so that that player does not uh, win immediately. And with these um, yeah, player count specific cards, you you have another tool as a game designer. And um, yeah, I, I like that. The second interesting design choice about Blood Rage is also about the drafting aspect. And it is about the rule that you have to remove the last two cards from the pack. You draft eight cards. You when you open or you get your hand, you um, receive eight cards, um, and then you pick one, pass the remaining cards to your left neighbor, and um, um, yeah, receive another pack um, from from your right neighbor, which then contains seven cards. You pick another one, um, give give it. A, the rest to, to the player to the left and so on and so on um, until you have picked six cards and the last two cards remaining in the in the in the pack or in, the, in your hand will then be removed from the game um, 
This is different compared to um, how drafting in Magic works, for example, um, in which you um, draft all the cards. There will no cards be discarded at the end. Um, and I think it is an interesting design choice because um, a choice between two cards often is not really a choice. And of course, the last card is no choice at all. And um, you often um, receive a card that, or would receive a card in Blood Rage, that is not helpful for your strategy or your plan that you want to want to go for in the game. Um, and you want to make sure that um, everything that happens in the game is um, due to uh, player strategy and player choices. And um, yeah, giving them um, too few options is not a real choice at the end. So I really like the idea of removing the last two cards because they do not really yeah, lead to interesting de- choices for the player. The next interesting design choice I want to talk about is that the game really starts completely symmetrical um, but ends very asymmetrical Um, and um, I was listening to an interview of Eric Lang um, the designer and he actually had an asymmetric version of the game during his design phase before um, he changed it to um, to start as a symmetrical game because of you want to have as if you know Eric Lang's games um, he also has um, produced um, XCOM for example which is a very asymmetrical game and um, I think he likes that but um, for Blood Rage um, his reason to go for a symmetrical game in the beginning um, led to a much better game at the end because um, people are really not drawn into a specific direction they they can um, draft whatever strategy they want to play or whatever cards they receive Um, and that makes the draft way more strategic and more important um, and more open-ended compared to a situation where the players would start asymmetrical with different strategies more or less um, ingrained in their in their in their um, clan and um, the result is that the game is more open um, in the beginning and also your choices during the draft are very open in the beginning but it narrows down towards the end of the draft because um, you um, then have a strategy and not all of the cards in the draft are relevant for your strategy However, they are still relevant because you need to um, hate pick what your uh, the card that your opponents might might want in order to um, to achieve victory at the end. So I really like that the game is symmetrical in the beginning and very asymmetrical at the end, due to the draft choices that you make as a player. The next interesting design choice is um, that you have all those different cards types that i mentioned in the beginning of the podcast in one draft so you have quest cards you have combat modifier cards and you have upgrade cards and you need all of those cards in order to win you could also have had several draft rounds in which you first only draft um, quests then you only draft combat modifier cards or you upgrade the upgrade cards or you could deal um, one or two quest cards um, 
to the players from the game without any draft at all and maybe just assign one quest to them or give them two quests and give them the choice between those two quests um, like it is done in Gloomhaven for example. But I really like that the cards that you draft have very different um, roles in the game and depending on your strategy it might be beneficial to draft um, four combat modifier cards and only one upgrade and one quest or you could more go on the quest route and um, draft three quest cards the result is really that you yeah you need to plan a strategy for the next age so for the next uh, complete next um, couple of rounds ahead and you also need to have some kind of long-term plan because of the upgrade cards um, and as mentioned the quests are more or less relevant for the age um, because at the end of each age your um, the quests are revealed and um, either you have uh, fulfilled the the quests um, requirement or not so they, they more or less drive your um, strategy through one age but your upgrade cards really drive your strategy for the entire game so you have uh, also as a player make decisions between some maybe short term term gains by picking a very strong combat modifier card plus um, a quest that um, you, you might um, be able to solve or achieve um, and compare that with uh, maybe a good upgrade card that might give you a bonus in the long run and i always like those decisions between short and long-term um, benefits another interesting choice is um, also related to the draft but also to the strategy part of the game that all of the key strategy cards um, are only once in the draft um, and by key cards i mean the um, the upgrade cards and um, that leads to a situation um, that it rarely happens that players are going for the same strategy because um, if the key cards for that strategy are um, not available too often you um, I have not seen that people really try to do the exact same thing in Blood Rage in a magic draft for example that can happen quite often that two players that sit next to each other during the draft um, end up playing the same colors because their first pick was very strong in that color um, and by um, having only a certain amount of cards um, that go into a certain strategy and by only having those cards once in the entire draft um, it is it rarely happens that or have never seen it happen that people really play the same strategy but um, that's also the same thing is also true for um, for the monster upgrade cards which I didn't didn't mention so far at all um, the game does not only come with um, your warriors clan leader and ship um, which are the same for all of the players in the beginning of the game before they get upgraded but they also come with a a bunch of monsters that are also miniatures um, that do not belong to any player but you have to draft them you need to pick a card during the draft um, to um, to gain that um, that miniature 
um, and then it, it it fights for it fights for you and um, yeah these uh, it's also um, each of those uh, cards to um, to to get one of those uh, monsters is only once in a draft so they and they often um, have a big influence on your on your tactic so um, yeah you do not get into the same tactic there because the card is only available once Another interesting design choice is that the game is divided into three ages um, and three different draft phases. And um, yeah, I mean, some other drafting games do that differently. I mean, in many of those games, you have one draft in the beginning of the game um, and you play the entire game with the card that you drafted in the beginning. But I also like the um, the different phases and ages, how they're called in Blood Rage, um, in this game. Because um, the game really is about conflict. It's about board presence. It's about strategy, identifying the strategy of your opponents and um, countering that strategy. And um, by dividing the draft into different rounds you give the players the ability to react. To react on the board state at the end of a game. So let me give you a very simple example. Let's say you, in one of the um, one of the um, regions, one player has, uh, let's say, three warriors. And there is one monster card that when it enters one region or province, it's called provinces, when it enters a province, it destroys all warriors in that province. Uh, and if you see that the one player has three warriors, or they can be from different players as well, the warriors, but if there are three warriors in one one, one of those um, provinces, you should really pick that card, um, that monster card, and um, yeah, invade that, that province. And also hate picking is very relevant here because um, you might um, learn during age one or two um, what strategy um, the opponents are going for. And if you see one of the key cards for that strategy um, during yeah, age three um, of the draft, you should really, really think about um, hate picking that card because um, if you don't, um, your opponents yeah, might uh, gain too many um, glory points and you might lose the game. And another aspect of those different draft phases is that the cards get stronger from age to age. So even if you lost um, pretty badly during age one, you can come back from that because the, the cards are stronger in age two and three. And uh, they the quests in age three, for example, give you way more uh, victory points than in age one. So... Um, the game has some kind of progression because of those different phases um, and ages. And if you yeah, would have all of those in in one one age or so, um, and only one drafting aspect, I think the game would lose uh, yeah quite a quite a bit of um, yeah, of interaction. The next interesting design choice um, are the combat modifier cards. I find them really interesting. And um, that is pretty much because they are not just um, adding static values to the combat. So some kind of um, 
hidden information. They do that, and that is also great. Um, but they are much more ingrained into the tactic of the different of the of the game and the different tactics of the game. There are very interesting effects on the cards. For example, um, there are cards that um, yeah require all the players to discard their revealed cards. They even reward you with some kind of uh, yeah uh, glory for all the strength that was revealed on those combat modifier cards. And then all the players have to play new cards. This is a great way to um, to yeah make players discard their cards so that they have less resources available um, and to gain some uh, some glory points. But there are also um, other um, combat modifier cards that. Um, yeah, that um, counter the effects on other cards, like a counter in Magic. Um, and there are also effects like um, if you lose um, you uh, lose that battle, you gain something from the player. Either you steal them some, some kind of uh, glory points or you um, um, take the revealed cards, you can steal their modifier card um, or you can steal them some, some something from their um, clan, um, stats you get some rage from them and yeah but with this different effects um, on the modifier cards um, a lot of tension is added to the to the otherwise very simple and deterministic combat and um, you also need to take into account what you what kind of combat cards you have seen during the um, during the draft so there's some kind of um, information that you need to need to remember um, and that is also an important part of drafts because that um, is something where you can gain an edge as a good player and um, it also adds a bit of strategy because um, if you have seen some of those um, combat modifier cards you um you maybe you can trick your opponent um, with some smaller fights that are not too important for your strategy um, to um, yeah, to get rid of some of those of those cards before you engage in the really important battles with that player, and um, you can do that because of um, one rule, and that rule says if you win a fight, you have to discard the combat modifier card that you've used and if you lose a fight you then get the card, card uh, the combat modifier card back to your hand um, and that means there is really a viable strategy in the game that um, is all about losing you try to get into m as many fights as possible and try to lose them and this can be very annoying for the other players because they know that he, that you want to lose the game, uh, lose the combat, um, and there is not so much they can do about. And then, in the right moment, you can try to win a battle with a very strong modifier card. And they were expecting a weak modifier card um, because you tried to lose all the fights before that. So that makes that player really unpredictable. So I like. In general, how the combat modifier cards are designed because they um, are add a lot of um, interesting um, situations to the game. The next interesting design choice is um, more or less about the theme and um, some innovative tactics. I just talked about one of them. Um, 
and I really like the theme of the game because it is about dying in Ragnarok. Um, and yeah, as mentioned, death is actually something you look forward to as a Viking and you want to earn as much glory as possible on your way of achieving death. And um, yeah, that means dying and losing fights is, yeah, is it's really a viable and playable tactic in the game. And um, that f feels kind of innovative uh, because I have not seen that in other games before. And um, I also had some problems as a player to adjust to that innovative tactic because um, if you are a kind of comp competitive player that um, always tries to win, um, it feels strange to go into a battle and try to lose the battle. Um, and um, yeah, that also... but not only the player that really forces that strategy to lose all the fights um, has this situation coming up um, because you cannot win all the fights in Blood Rage. And it's okay uh, um, to lose some of the fights, but um, I really had to uh, to adjust to that um, because in some games, for example, I spent way too many combat uh, modifier cards to strong modifier cards to, to win a battle that was actually not too beneficial for me i should just have lost that battle and keep my resources for the next battle and um, i like that because it's innovative it is new um, and it forces me as a player to um, to adjust to that new innovative uh, um, theme and tactics that that come with the theme and they are really really well ingrained in the game tactics and theme are very very well ingrained in the game they both work well hand in hand together The next interesting design choice I want to talk about is um, about miniature individualization. Um, and Blood Rage does it in a way that I think I've seen in one other game or so, um, is that you um, all of the miniatures, they are unpainted um, in the same color. And so it would be very difficult for... Um, for Bond gamers that are not spending the time to paint all of their minis to distinguish which mini belongs to um, to which player. And so um, the game comes with some colored rings and you can put them on the bottom of the miniature to yeah, to highlight that they belong to you. And you also do that, that to the to the to the monsters once you have drafted them. And That is actually a very smart move because the 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 miniature players they really want minis to have uh, yeah one very light color so that they can be um, they can be painted easily and the board gamers on the other side they want um, their minis to or their meeples to be very clear and precise um, in. Um, distinguishing between the different players and um, with the solution you have the both of uh, the best of both worlds and um, yeah I think it's very well um, well implemented the next interesting design choice is um, actually now something that I th I have had some problems with and that is um, the cost of long-term strategy in blood rage because blood rage really really is not about minute to minute clever plays that you make 
It's about drafting cards um, that then come together to create a long-term plan. And it is about playing cards in the correct order um, and also making decisions in the correct order, losing fights um, when it is necessary to maximize the points you get from um, from those cards in the end. Um, but for me, in many games that I played, these long-term strategies rarely worked out as planned due to opponents interfering with my plans. Um, the problem is that I often ended up with, um, with clan upgrades or quests that were more or less useless for me because my plans just didn't work out. I missed some kind of, um, yeah, let's say, secondary use um, for those cards that um, yeah turned out to be useless in my strategy. Um, I would have, I would like to use those cards um, as beneficial combat modifier cards, for example, or to discard them to gain. Um, to to um, improve one of my clan stats or whatsoever, but that is not in the game. The second problem that comes with um, the game being so much about long-term strategies is the fact that you you need to predict your um, opponent's strategies in order to win. Um, hate drafting, as I mentioned, is a very important aspect of the game, but... Um, also, again, those cards that you hate draft are often useless for your strategy, um, which is another reason why I would have really liked to see a secondary use for those cards. Give me something, um, a little, just a little small benefit um, when I discard them or when I reveal them during a during um, during a fight. Um, yeah, just just a little bit um, of incentive to to hate draft. And yeah, since you need to know all those different long-term strategies, um, and you need to be able to identify them um, in order to yeah, to to form your own strategy and also to counter your opponent's strategy, you need to know a lot about the game. That isn't a problem, um, at least not if all players um, have the same um, amount of experience with the game. But if one player has uh, played more games um, than the other players or if one player uh, spent uh, a bit of time um, on the internet researching the dominant strategies this information advantage cannot be caught up again no chance this is a problem that most drafting games uh, have um, but I had the feeling that this is really very prominent in this, uh, in this uh, specific game Another design choice that I would at least question is the glory track because it is visible to all the players. And um, you always exactly know how well all of the different players are doing at all times. Um, and I found that kind of um, um, a disadvantage for the game. And... Um, the reason for that is if you really fall behind in, in H1, for example, um, then you can you can see that you are the last player on the track. Or at the end of H2, you can see that even more, that you are far behind. And um, that leads to a situation where some players are really discouraged to, um, to end the game. 
um, or to play to their best um, until the end of the game. And if I compare that with other games like, let's say, um, what kind of game comes to mind? Um, Carnival of Monsters, for example, another drafting game. Um, there, all of the um, glory points are hidden until the end of the game where then um, everything is um, revealed and calculated together. I know that this would be difficult with the current setting of Blood Rage, but at least during the game, I never had the feeling to be um, so far behind that I cannot win anymore. And in Blood Rage, this happened quite often to one um, of the players um, on the board. I know that the game has some very good catch-up mechanics, um, but due to the visible glory track and compared with the board state with the, let's say the amount of miniatures that are on the board that you can see and also the um, um, clan upgrade that everyone has that, that you can see it leads to, to situations where you feel very very far behind um, and don't see a chance to win anymore and I think by removing the, the visible glory track this could have helped somehow to um, yeah, to mitigate that problem, at least a little bit. Yeah, and there you have it. That is Blood Rage and what you can learn from it or what I have learned from it as a game designer. Um, I think it is a great craft, uh, drafting game. It is very much about careful positioning um, of your miniatures. It's about very timed aggression um, and a lot, a lot of strategy. And... Um, I like that and I will definitely play play more more of Blood Rage in the future and um, yeah maybe use some of the things I've learned here to um, to embed them in my own game designs. I hope this episode was helpful for you um, and if you didn't play Blood Rage I would recommend um, you give it a try. I know it's not the newest and hottest game around but um, i think it's a it's a very good a very good game so until next week keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss goodbye everyone <laughs>